Straight to Midland. How about yourself? I'm making it there, Chuck. Beats the alternative. move <laughs> so what is your goal what, what weight are you shooting for 220 to 225 that's trim for me <laughs> I started at 276 so lost about 35 pounds I use you as a motivator well good yeah. uh, I got three tickets I thought about you I only got three more <laughs> That was a crummy thing to do. <laughs> I care not today what the morrow may bring, shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting Tempest may blow and the windstorm cloud rise, obscuring the brightness of life. I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on at the strife. Living my faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From a harm safe in a sheltering arm, I'm living by faith and feel no Turn to this earth some sweet day, our troubles will then all be o'er. The master so gently will lead us away beyond that blessed heavenly shore. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From a harm safe in a sheltering arm, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Please pray with me. Our Father, you've always been there for us. You've always taken care of us, Father. 
during, during our, our lifetime, during our, from the creation, things look a little murky. Things was questionable, but you love us and you made a way for us to be with you. Thank you again for Jesus. Father, thank you for, just thank you for, for continuing to not be, not be disappointed in us. Father, thank you for the remnant, the church, Father. You gave us a, a safe place to be. Father, we pray that you continue to bless us here at North Brevard, Father. We want to we wanna build something that's, that, that, that's add on to the cornerstone. We want to uh, not just love each other, Father, but be that oneness that you talk about. Father, we pray for our young people. Father, we pray for our families. Father, continue to bless them, Father. And Father, use us to spread the good news to the world. To, to, to just turn the world upside down for you, especially locally here. Father, we continue to pray for Amber Rapp. We pray, Father, that, that you heal her as far as her, her lungs. Pray that she find a, a, a surgeon that could help her. Father, thank you for Gail Griffin. Thank you that uh, she's feeling a lot better. Father, be with Matt as he bring the word to us, Father. And Father, we, we pray that we take it in, apply it to our life, Father. That we become better, closer, more reliable, Father. Building on those, those good deeds that, that we live by, but continually to to move forward in Jesus. We pray this prayer in his name, amen. Help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. We'll sing Jesus Rose of Sharon. Jesus Rose of Sharon.
Jesus came to this earth, and he knew from the beginning that, that, that the, his end here would be his crucifixion. We, we talk sometimes about Judas betraying him, but in, in reality, they all knew who Jesus was. It was sort of a, sort of a trick that, on, really it was a trick on Judas, that, hey, we'll give you this money if you'll point him out to us. But they, they already knew. They had already made plans that they were going to kill him. But... Uh, that's that, 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 and that was part of their. That, they thought that was part of their big plan, but in reality, Jesus came to give up His life so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And now we have this time here, a special time, to to remember that, remember the the blood that He shed and the body that He gave up. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we're we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the love that he was willing to show. We're thankful for the love that, that you were willing to show, that, that you were willing to, to give your son, that, that he could come and, and die for each and every one of us. Father, we're, we're thankful for, for his sacrifice. We're thankful for the body that he was willing to, to, to surrender. And at this time, we're thankful for this, the, the fruit of the, the, the bread that, that represents that body and we pray that as we partake of it we'll do so in a manner pleasing unto you with our mind set on him in christ's name we pray amen <coughs> continuing thanks father we're we're thankful for the blood that was shed on the cross we're thankful for jesus that he was willing to shed his blood his pure blood so that we could have have the forgiveness of our sins. The, it, it's the blood that, that covers our sins and, and washes our sins away. As, as we partake of this fruit of the vine that represents that blood, we pray once again that we'll do so, pleasing unto you. In Christ's name, amen. Father, we're thankful for all the blessings that we have in this life. We're thankful for our homes. We're thankful for our jobs. We're thankful for our ability to be able to come here and, and worship you in this beautiful building. We're, we're, we're thankful for, for your ever watch over us, that, that, that we can continue to, to, to grow here and, and to, to be strong. At this time, Father, we, we wish to give back a part of that, that the church here may continue to grow and we might be able to continue to, to convince this community of, about you and about Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
sing faith of our fathers and then Matt will bring us our lesson about faith. <laughs> faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon fire and sword oh how our hearts beat high with joy whenever we hear that glorious word faith of our fathers Y'all can hear that, can't you? I can't move. Huh? All right. I'm just going to sit really still tonight. Uh, yeah, that's not going to work. I hear you over there. <laughs> that's not going to work. All right, so we're in Hebrews 11 tonight. We're going to be in here for the next few weeks because I want to take it nice and slow, and I really want to... Uh, kind of examine Hebrews 11 a little bit, and we'll probably actually end up in a little bit of Hebrews 12 before uh, we finish this um, series we've, we're going to start tonight um, for the next couple Sunday nights. Um, but Hebrews 11 starts with one of my favorite verses, which you guys know this by now. I, I quote it all the time because it's just the simplest definition the Bible gives you of what faith is. If you ever have a question of faith, if you ever have somebody who's trying to um, understand faith or doesn't, doesn't know uh, what faith is, 
Faith can be very difficult to define, but in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it makes it very simple. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So faith is something you hope for, not something you already have. And faith is something that you have not yet seen. It's something, as we know, that is physical. It's not physical. It's actually something spiritual, right? Spiritual things that we are looking forward to in the future, being heaven, being eternal life, being things we don't experience today, but have been promised by God. It takes faith to believe in the promise of God. That's ultimately what you're going to see over and over and over in Hebrews chapter 11 as we break down every single person in the life that they lived that the Hebrew writer, or as um, me and a good friend of mine um, certainly believe the Hebrew writers um, are going to express to you over and over and over again. So, Verse 2 says, For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now this is the age-old question, right? It's the question the world is still trying to answer today. How did we get here? How did we get here? And you know, the truth of that question cannot be answered without something that always existed. And I, I think it's so important to say this. that I, it's, This is another thing that you'll probably hear me say a hundred times if you come here the next 20 years and y'all don't get tired of me, right? So important to answer this question. How did we get here? If there was ever a time where there was nothing, there would be nothing right now. You realize that's basic math, right? You, everybody knows zero times anything is Zero. So if there was ever a time where there was zero, then there would be zero right now. Basic math proves that something had to always exist for there to be something that exists right now. Are you part of an existence? Yes, you are. So if you exist and you are part of an existence, then something always had to exist. Nothing creates nothing. Okay, so when you break that down in a very basic way, please understand that, um, that it's a, that's actually a simple part of the question. You can do it scientifically too. Right? There has to be a force for any action. Action doesn't happen on its own. If you want to ride your bike down the street, you have to pedal it. If you don't want to ride your bike down the street, you can certainly push it. Right? But there's a force behind the movement of the bike. You're not going to stand a bike up, right? And it's going to stay on its own. No, because there's gravity, and gravity is going to force it to fall over, right? But if you have a kickstand, then it can lean on it. But if you want it to move at all, you don't just lay it on the ground and wait for it to move. You're going to be highly disappointed unless there's a force like a hurricane that came and pushed that bike down the road, right? There has to be a force for an action. So if there was creation at any point in time, then there had to be a force behind that creation. Just want to point those things out. Two simple parts, basic parts, math and science, that prove God, prove something that had to be eternal, prove something that had to be the alpha and the omega, just like the Bible describes, in order for us to even have an existence right now. How do you prove that? 
How do you prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt? I mean, the world has come up with all kinds of ways that we have come into existence, right? And some of those ways don't acknowledge God. In fact, one of the newest things that you will find if you look into um, um, some of the newer science is that you will find that there are certain parts of matter that science is now telling you is eternal. So there's been this certain types of matter that have always existed, and therefore there you have your answer to your problem, and now you can rationalize a creation without a God. But even if you had, just my favorite part, real quick, just humor me for a second. Even if you had two ping pong balls, right? Two ping pong balls. Okay, and we're going to call this area in this room the vastness of the empty universe before creation. Okay? What makes them run around till they hit each other? See, it goes back to the force. When people talk about Big Bang, they still don't acknowledge that something had to make things move to where they could collide to begin with. Okay? I just, just, just humor me for a minute, because this, this is stuff we deal with a lot in youth ministry that is very, it's really actually pretty simple to explain, but nobody actually wants to acknowledge. I remember being in high school in, in physics. And my physics teacher was also my varsity soccer coach. So I had like double trouble. My physics teacher was an atheist, self-proclaimed atheist, super proud atheist. If you were a religious person, that's okay, bless your heart, because you needed a little help understanding the reality of life. Okay, and I asked him this question very simply. I said, and you know, you, you sit here and you guys teach about Big Bang and, and, and all these other things in science, but what caused the movement? And he got super frustrated with me. I'll never forget this. It was so simple because he didn't know. Because without God, how, what do you have? What made something move to begin with? What was the force behind the action that caused the creation? That same teacher, that same teacher who was also my varsity coach later on, me and him got into a huge argument my senior year of high school when I was a starter on the, on the varsity soccer team. And I was uh, preaching to a bunch of my friends about the gospel, and we were getting ready to come into the city that we played against, and um, the rules on the bus were when we came into the city that we played against, we were supposed to go silent. Nobody was allowed to talk until we got to the field. And about five minutes away from that point, he had heard the conversation we were having. He got so frustrated. I had the whole tension of the bus. I'll never forget this either. I had the whole tension of the bus. Friends of mine that I've been trying to reach for my whole life. Some of my best friends were in that moment talking to me about God in a way they had never before. And five minutes before we got to the city limits, he told the bus to shut up. He said it just like that. Shut up. And I pretended like I didn't hear him because I knew we hadn't hit the city limits yet. That's probably me not being as disciplined as everybody would probably want me to be, right? And I just kept talking because we were talking about the gospel. And I'll never forget, he said again the second time, shut up. He didn't say, please be quiet. He said, shut up. And this was just actually just a few weeks before we got, after we got into this huge debate. 
about creation. And I'll never forget, I looked at him, and this wasn't my, my greatest moment, but man, I really did have the fire of God in me. And I looked at him and I said, I will never shut up about Jesus Christ. I never played another minute of soccer in high school. But that was my faith. That wouldn't allow me to be silent in that moment, knowing exactly why he was telling me to be quiet five miles out, really, of when we were supposed to. So anyway, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. See, the truth is, those of us who are Christians, we don't need that explanation. We read it in the Bible, we understand it, we believe it, and, and, and so it is. Right? God spoke creation into existence, right? We read that in Genesis. We don't deny that. The world's trying to deny that, but we don't because we have faith. We weren't there. We didn't see it, but we know it, right? Okay. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, all right? By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, I wanted to go to that real quick and kind of go over this with you because, you know, I don't know how you've been taught Cain and Abel, but I want to share with you a little bit about how I've been taught Cain and Abel um, years ago. So, verse 1 of Genesis 4 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. So remember, Cain firstborn, Abel secondborn, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of the time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock in their fat portions. Now, first of all, Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. That's what he was, right? He was just harvesting. So I don't, I don't want you to um, misunderstand what that, that is. Very interesting to me that Abel happens to be a Shepherd, knowing the long list of shepherds that were going to be very godly people, um, including the good shepherd being Jesus Christ, right? Um, okay, verse 4. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flocks and the fat portions. Another thing very interesting is when you get to the point to where the Levitical law is written, this is part of the prescription that the Levite priests would have been putting on the altar. So that's pretty cool too, right? And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now, I have heard it said that, you know, Abel brought his best and Cain brought whatever. Have you ever heard that before? Like Abel brought his best and Cain brought, well, whatever. And that's why God, that's why God wasn't happy with Cain's offering. But, what does it say? It says that he brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, I've heard that interpreted like, you know, like um, oranges falling off the tree. You ever had an orange tree? You don't typically eat the oranges that have fallen off the tree, right? Those don't smell very good. They rot pretty quickly, okay? And I've heard that argument, but that's not what I read. In fact, is there any fruit of the ground that you can think of that is perfectly ripe and beautiful, even though it's on the ground. 
See, normally our brain goes straight to like trees, right? Like apples, oranges, grapefruit, right? I'm doing this on purpose so you really have a hard time thinking about it. What about watermelon? Is watermelon a fruit that literally grows on the ground on a vine? What about cantaloupe? Honeydew. I'm just thinking of my dad's garden growing up, to be honest with you. Right? You could say even grapes. Unless you put grapes up in the air, they grow on the ground. By the way, grapes happen to be a very important ingredient to what? Lord's Supper. At least for most of the world. Right? So there's really no evidence that what Cain brought was rotten. There's really no evidence that what Cain brought was not of good substance. In fact, it could have been the ripest stuff that he had in his garden. Remember what we talked about this morning? It's really not about how right or how wrong. It's about the faith that I go through life with. Remember that? It really doesn't matter. See, we make so much about, we have to explain to ourselves, people who are looking for that type of explanation, they're looking for the reason, the, the physical reason in this scripture to find out why Cain's sacrifice was not good compared to Abel's. And the, the simple reason is actually very easy. It's because Abel brought it and desired it to be for the Lord. Out of his faith, he wanted to give this to the Lord. It was from his faith that made the, 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 the offering different. There's nothing in scripture that says any good reason of why one was better than the other. They both brought what they had. Now clearly, the fat portions, the firstborn of his flock, clearly there is a distinction with Abel that he was intentionally bringing something that he thought was of his best. It does not give that distinguishment to Cain. But it also doesn't say that he brought rotten fruit. Right? So the clear issue here is the motivation, the faith that Abel had in God versus the faith that Cain had in God. Now what's interesting about that is Cain and Abel actually speak to God. So they're very different than us, right? We have a faith where God doesn't necessarily just say, hey, Cain, what's your problem? Why are you so upset? Right? And that's exactly what happens. Cain gets upset. God speaks to him, warns him. And then verse 8 of Genesis chapter 4 happens. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Right? Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Does the Lord not know where Abel is? Of course he knows where Abel is. In fact, he'll later say, I know where he is. His blood's crying out to me right now. Right? Where is, your, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Is my brother my responsibility? Of course, in this church, in this body of believers, is your brother your responsibility? Of course, we're family. If one of your brothers goes missing, are you not going to go looking for him? Of course you are. 
Because we're family, right? That's the type of bond we're supposed to have. And you can see, this is sin. This is evil. This is, this is uh, him looking at God, who's saying, where is your brother? And he's saying to him, I don't know. He's not my responsibility. That's not love. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now, I want you to go back real quick. And I didn't plan um, this in my PowerPoint, so I'm going to do it um, like this. But I want you to see what he says. He says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith. See, it's not just me telling you that. The scripture's telling you that. It was by faith that, that Abel's offer, uh, offering to God was more acceptable than Cain's. Through which he was commended as righteous. Not because of what he brought, but because of the faith that made him bring it. Okay? God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, even though he died... He still speaks, right? And then God comes to Cain at the very end of this thing, and he says, hey, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. But you know what? Even though Abel died, his blood still speaks today. Look at us. This is right at the beginning of creation, and we are still talking about it to this day. Why? Because Cain killed his brother. Because God was more pleased in Abel's faith than Cain's. See, that's what evil and sin does. And it's a very simple story, a very simple part of history, right at the beginning of creation, that we can learn from, and we still do. His blood still cries out today, and people are still hearing it. By faith, Enoch, verse, verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commanded as having pleased God. Now, Enoch is an interesting character. Okay? There's a book of Enoch, right? And, and if you've ever read it, it's very hard to imagine how it contextually goes with what we study out of today being the canon, okay? We can get into that conversation one day, not for this topic, right? But there's very actually little that we know about Enoch. In fact, in Genesis chapter 5, it says, it, it, it tells you who his dad is, right? It tells you who his son is, right? That's what it says. It says Jared. He was the father of Enoch, right? And then it says that um, when he was 65 years old, that Enoch himself had a son named Methuselah. Okay? What's special about Methuselah? Anybody? Oldest person to ever live. Oldest person to ever live. Okay. So, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. I always find that so interesting because there's also 365 days in a year. I don't know if that does anything for you. Weird for me. Maybe it's just me. That's okay. And this is all it says, verse 24. Here's your giant statement about Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Okay? That's what you get. Go study him. That's what you get. But somehow this guy ends up in Hebrews chapter 11, which we call the Hall of Faith. 
These are some of the most special people that ever lived. This is all you get, okay? Now, some of you know I'm being a little bit facetious because there are other scriptures. First of all, Luke chapter 3, what do you find out? You find out that he is part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ right here. Okay? In Jude, you find out something else that's pretty interesting, and it's a numbers game as well, but he just so happened to be the seventh person born once you go down the family tree from Adam. We all know the number seven special to the Lord. But Jude also adds that Enoch prophesied. Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones. You remember the song he could have called? 10,000 angels. That's why I don't need singing. Right? You remember that song? We don't sing it that much. It's one of my favorite songs, but we don't, we don't sing it that much. That's okay. This is where it comes from. It's not a number. It's not a random guess. It's scripture. Right? Enoch, being all the way at the beginning, according to Jude, prophesied that 10,000, right, would come, 10,000 holy ones would come with Jesus. Enoch, right at the beginning. Now I've given you everything there is to know. Why am I saying that? Well, I find it very interesting that almost every other person that we go through, until you get to the very end, and even the very end, when he starts rambling off these people, which you will see when we get there, right? When he starts rambling off these people, and he's not even telling you why, he's just starting to list names. There is a backstory to each of those people. Enoch is one of two people in the entire Bible that does not face death. Right? Who's the other one? Y'all didn't know we were playing Bible trivia tonight? Yeah. And God took him away in a chariot of fire, right? You know anything about his story? You got a lot to go with off of him, right? But here's Enoch, the only other person, in fact, before him, right, that was taken by God. By the way, 365 years, some of you are imagining that in your life, and you're like, whoa, right? That was young for them. Just want to put that in perspective. 365 was actually, I mean, his son lived to be 900 and I heard it, but it was not exactly right. It was very close. 969 years? 900 what? 62? Look that up, Nick. Find that for me. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm pretty, it's either 969 or 939, I'm pretty sure. Um, okay, 365 years. But this guy was so special. The, the, the faith of Enoch was so special that God didn't even want him to taste death, but yet, where are his actions? You see what I'm saying? You see how that plays into the whole point? It wasn't, it wasn't really about everything that he did. It was about why he did it. You can't please God, right? We, discovered, we, we talked about this this morning as well, right? You can't please God without faith. So obviously Enoch had amazing faith.
But when it comes to his everyday life and the amazing things he did for the Lord, we just don't have much to go on. All right, last one for tonight. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's why. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear. Bold that. If you don't have that bolded in your Bible, underlined in your Bible, do it. Being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. Okay? Out of reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now this, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the Bible to study because there is so much mystery and, and, and very intriguing things that go on in this part of Genesis. But I just want to point out a couple things to you that you've read many times, but maybe not really, um, really got your mind all the way around. The Lord saw, this is Genesis chapter 6, this is right before the flood. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. Now I want to point that out because I don't think I've ever met a single person in this world now, I haven't been to the worst places in the world. I'll admit that, right? I don't go to death row in places like, I, I, like I haven't been to the worst places of the world to find the evilest people. But I personally have never met a single person that I could honestly give that characteristic to. That every thought of a person was constantly, continually evil. That's a scary individual. Right? That is a scary individual. He has no concern for his fellow man. He has no love in his heart because love would be actually a good, righteous thing and therefore he couldn't continually be on evil, right? He is out for himself and he doesn't care what gets in the way and you can go down the list of the terrible things that he would be willing to do because every single moment in his life he is continually evil. By the way, that's not just talking about one person. It's talking about the whole world. The world has been fully populated. It's similar to the world that we live in now when it comes to population, okay? The world has been populated. And this is the state of man. So when you read the next couple verses, you can kind of understand where God is at. That's why you, have, you really have to put your mind around that. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. He regretted it. Man had become so corrupt, so evil, so nasty, so vile. That the God of love looked at earth and regretted making man. Okay? To the point where it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man, whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. Not only am I going to destroy man, I'm going to destroy everything. God is ready to hit the reset button. But Noah found favor 
in the eyes of the Lord. Well, how did Noah find favor in the eyes of the Lord? Hebrews 11, because of his faith. Right? Because of his faith. Now the earth was corrupt. This is, we skipped a couple verses. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. There wasn't anybody good left. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. The earth is filled, filled with violence through them. Imagine what that world looked like. Take the worst parts in this world and then imagine it being on every single street. Take the worst neighborhoods in this world and imagine them being your neighborhood because there was no other neighborhood that wasn't like it. Imagine the worst leaders in this world and realizing that the leaders of the world at that time, that's who they were. There wasn't a good one. You're at a point where Noah is the only one that God can look at in all the world that has even enough faith to be spared, to find favor in the eyes of God. Think about what I'm telling you. If you've ever felt alone, nobody in all of history has ever been more alone than Noah. No one. And he lives in a scary world. And of course we know he makes that ark. God seals the ark like we discussed on Wednesday night. And the world's destroyed. And as the waters recede and, and Noah and his family come out of the ark, Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird. And offered burnt offerings on the altar. You know what he was doing? He was offering a burnt offering for the world. For flesh. For mankind. For God's creation. That he made in his own image. That he gave the breath of life to. Who had completely turned on God. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. And I, this is a promise from God. Right? Right at the beginning, this is a promise from God. I want you to look at it very, very closely. Because the world wants you to look at a rainbow and see something different these days. Just being honest. But this is the promise from God that was sealed with the rainbow. When you look at a rainbow as a Christian, in faith, you should see something different than what the world's trying to tell you. And this is that promise that he will never destroy the earth again. He will never kill everything the way he did again. And I point out verse 22 just because of the lies that you're being told right now about your world and about how radically we are changing our world based on our own choices. Because this is also what you should see when you see the rainbow. Okay? 
You see it? It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. They're not going to change, y'all. They're not going to change. It doesn't matter. They're not going to change. And I could really go on a rant right now, but I'm not going to. That's your promise from the Lord. And that's what we take in faith because God said it. And what he says, we believe. You know why? Because he has not failed us yet. Look, God wanted to hit the reset button on mankind because mankind had become so terrible. And the only reason why any of us are here to this day is because of the faith of Noah. This morning we picked on Abraham for a minute and we reminded you that Abraham would walk into certain places that were, he was worried about his wife because his wife was so beautiful and he'd pawn her off as his sister. Noah, after this unbelievable experience, he gets off the boat, start, <laughs> starts a vineyard and gets drunk. See, God didn't pick him because he was perfect. God didn't pick you because you're perfect. God didn't die for you because you're perfect. He died for you because you weren't. That's why we're justified by grace through faith. Because faith is actually what makes us become like him. Faith is what makes us take him at his word, even when the whole world is screaming at us from a different direction. And nobody knew that better than Noah. And because of that, because of that faith, we're here today talking about it. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? See, it, it starts with faith. Were you there? No, of course not. None of us were there, but we believe. Right? Not only do we believe that Jesus was an actual person, even though there's plenty of the world that would tell you he's not. He was a made-up being, fictitious, fairy tale. We believe and even though the world will tell you it was impossible that he was dead and, and, and put in the tomb for three days and then rose from the grave, you weren't there. You didn't see it. You weren't one of the eyewitnesses like the 500 we've been talking about in Paul's writings. But you believe it. And it is impossible to prove to you without a shadow of a doubt that where we are going from here is the bliss that God has promised of eternal life in heaven where there is no sorrow, no sadness, no tears, no sickness, right? No pain, no suffering. But we believe it. And we live by it. And that is what's commended to us as righteous to God. So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because it's by His grace that we have guaranteed salvation. Don't forget that scripture we read this morning. One of the most powerful ones we read this morning. And for those of us who have, are we living in this life of faith? Are we actually moving based on what the Bible is pushing us to? Or do we only move when the world pushes us? We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. 
We're not worried about what the world is pushing us to do. We're worried about what God and the Word of God and His Holy Spirit is pushing us to do and leading us to do. That's what we worry about. Are we living that type of life? Are we walking in faith? Or are we being distracted by our sight? If there's any reason to come to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing. I'm not Have you a heart that's weary, tending a load of care? Are you a soul that's seeking rest from the burden you bear? Do you know? Thank you, Matt. We should walk by faith. Sometimes those choices aren't necessarily what the world wants us to do. Um, like you said, God's instructions are different than the world's instructions a lot of times. Uh, grab yourself a bulletin if you get a chance. Some of the, uh, some of the updates, I'll try to highlight some of those on our uh, prayer list. Amber Rapp, uh, she had that partial collapsed lung. They believe she has thoracic endometriosis. She's trying to get to see a surgeon in Atlanta to get that taken care of with surgery. So uh, hopefully that'll happen very quickly for Amber and uh, get her taken care of. Uh, Tommy Massey, Tommy had a stroke a while back. Um, he's been having issues with that. Um, I understand he fell out of bed and uh, anyways, got busted up a little bit, but they're hoping to get him to Royal Oaks and get him the attention that he needs there in the nursing home. They can watch him more closely. So pray for Tommy, pray for Glenda. Um, let's pray for them. Um, other stuff. The shoemates. The shoemates are going to go out of town for a few days to go see their daughter and their spectacular grandkids. So um, that leaves a big hole in the way we serve here. 
Uh, and they're looking for somebody to pick up on some of that kind of thing. So see Mike, see Sue, and help pick up the slack a little bit. Uh, and they need somebody to pick up bread at the Publix on 524 in North Cocoa. Well, that'll be next Saturday uh, for the food pantry. So if you can pick up the bread down there, that'd be great. And also they could use some food pantry help on Monday, next Monday. Um, with the two of them gone, there's eight slots available for you know helping out in some form or fashion. So if you were able to do that, see them, show up, that kind of thing. They're also looking for rides. Um, Sue typically picks up Nora, and she picks up Brenda Scott, and she picks up B. Fisher. Um, and those three ladies like to be here. It's a great place for them. So if you are able to pick them up, Nora lives on Highway, uh, yeah, Nora lives on Highway 50, Midtown or so. Um, Brenda Scott lives off of Sisson over by the ballpark. And um, B. Fisher lives over by Titus Landing. So if you live in one of those areas, you can pick one of those ladies up, talk to Sue, get that happening. Um, so on Wednesday, Wednesday's ladies class, remember, I, even though I said it's standing room only, they do have seats. So I'm sorry my driveway gets in the way but sometimes, but don't let that keep you from showing up. They got seats, they got a way to fix that. So the ladies class continues to go on. Um, this weekend, Saturday, we're going to have the Memorial for Calvin Nobles. Uh, there's a couple changes with that, so get ready to pencil those in if you haven't already heard this morning. Uh, the funeral home wanted to move that up an hour, move it earlier, so they can accommodate another family in the afternoon. So basically everything moves forward an hour. Um, so at 10 o'clock, they're going to have a family, family hour and visitation. At 11 o'clock is when they're going to have the homecoming, celebration of life, and we're going to have the repast meal in the back after that. So at 10 o'clock, it'll be the family time. Give them time at 10. Show up at 10.30. You know, give them a little time in here with Calvin. Let them mourn with him. Um, and show up about 10.30 or so. Like I said, the, the memorial will be at 11, and afterwards we'll eat in the back. And they're expecting a large crowd. Uh, Arla said she's got about 70, 75 family members and such from out of town, plus all of us. So if you're going to participate, if you can help out with food, contact Betty. Bring extra. Bring lots of food. Nothing says love like a lot of food. So... Help us out with that. Um, that's about it, pretty much. The AC in the fellowship room is working. They were able to put in one of the, part, one of the three parts. Um, so we have a cool fellowship room for now. That'll be great for Saturday. The other parts will be coming as soon as they can schedule us. Hopefully it won't be Saturday. But. Ezra. Ezra. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ezra Fitzgerald, Brenton Wanda's grandson, was baptized today. So that's a big deal. Uh, Jason baptized him this, today, so he, big choice. It's a good choice, as most of us already know. So that's a, congratulations to the Fitzies and Ezra. Um, that's about it. On Wednesday, 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 we're going to have 1 Corinthians 15 in here. Matt's going to talk about the resurrection body. So, yeah, that ought to be fun. That always a good time, always a good time. So last week he talked about the end of time. Now we're going to talk about the resurrection body. So join us here, join us online, show up. Bring your own Bible, bring your reading glasses because the monitor is terrible. Um, anyways, we'll get through that too. So thank you all, be faithful, until we meet again. So we just kind of facilitate standing, so if you're able, it's convenient, would you please stand? Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. 
promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. me please holy father in heaven we come to you this evening truly thankful that we can be gathered this way to learn from one another to grow we're so thankful for your love we're thankful for your son jesus and his willingness to die for us we're thankful that you raised him from the dead as the first fruits so that we all can know that that's possible for all of us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit because without him, we couldn't even talk with you because he helps us take the words that we say and somehow makes them useful, meaningful to you so that we can communicate with you. Father, we thank you for all that you give us we pray that as we go into this week, that you will help us in every step of the way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.